Three, two, one, and we're live. <laughs> <laughs> I had to give an over the top uh, intro for this. That's one. your ring announcer voice. Coming to the stage, we got Zach. It's more of a stripper announcer voice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a stripper in this movie as well, and a wrestler, and a wrestler. So this week we watched uh, the classic uh, Darren Aronofsky film of uh, the wrestler. Uh, came out in 2009. 2009. Uh, stars um, Mickey Rourke, Marissa Tomei, and Evan Rachel Wood. So. And, but the main characters in this movie are. I mean, the, the, the there's three. Those three actors. Yeah, yeah you're right. right. You're right. Um, so I. There's I, a lot of side characters, but they're not. None of them are all that important or get much screen time, really. Right. I wouldn't say this is my favorite Darren Aronofsky film, but uh, I like mean, Pie More. What you like, Pie More? I don't think I've ever seen that one. I'll watch that one one day. Um, I mean, I I really like Mother. Um, Black Swan. I've told you is one of my favorite movies. Uh, and but and Requiem for a Dream, of course. But the Wrestler, I I like the Wrestler for what it is. It's it's a great movie. First off, like. Mickey Rourke just acts his fucking ass off in this movie, dude. Mm. He really does. He, yeah. he gives like like I, I I honestly, to be honest, I haven't seen m- many movies he's been in. There's this one movie called Barfly. I've always heard is really good, but you know the way he sells, you know, being like kind of an over the hill wrestler is just you know, and you know, speaking. As someone who used to be a huge fan of wrestling, and we still both you know, of us, we both like of us, wrestling both of us, wrestling as kids. I think a lot of guys had a yeah had a wrestling phase, a wrestling phase. Yeah, when you're younger, and you know, around age twelve or thirteen. Yeah, around there. Yeah, um, you know, but uh, funny enough, me and you have still had like kind of like a passing interest. Where well, it's I love like, watching WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, WrestleMania. WrestleMania you got, you got to state. I think I didn't. We get together for WrestleMania this year. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't we that did. long ago. It was April. Yeah. Watched it last year during the lockdown. Yeah, that's. Oh man, <laughs> that was, was a, a fucking awesome the cr- one. crowdless. The crowdless WrestleMania, one. which you know was weird. It was they did a good job with it, but it was weird. And you bringing it back to this movie, you know, the crowd is a crucial part of. Of, right of wrestling you know it's they a very put, they fan people, interactive uh performance right and you know there's the wrestling term putting them over you know that's mm-hmm. that's what the fans are there for you know and you know uh i just want to first talk about like the relationship between mickey rourke and marissa tomei in this movie mm-hmm. i stopped the film a couple times to like tell zach like what i was thinking about it but um, I love... So Marissa Tomei plays a, a stripper right. who goes by Cassidy's her stage name, much like Mickey Rourke's character is Randy, his stage Randy name. Randy the Ram. Yeah, the Randy the Ram. and But her real name's Pam. Right. And uh, before we go any further, we got to talk about Kayfabe first off because mm-hmm. it's going to play heavily into this conversation. Uh, Kayfabe is like... For wrestling, it's like the character, right? The... Um, yeah, it's like maintaining the facade, keeping right. the mask on for the performance, for the sake of the performance. Right. And, you know, in a way, um, they oppose him to Cassidy, Pam, uh, 
they oppose he they oppose each other because um you know she in a way is her own kind of performer and is selling another kind of like like I was telling you like a fantasy right and the thing is is that it's like about like getting older and then like having to deal with the fact that like you know they're both in a profession where they sell their body yeah they're both performers right where their body is crucial to the performance right you know and now they're kind of old physically past their prime although she still looks great but both of them are still trying to perform you know and mickey rourke is still a great performer she she still does a good job and and randy the ram still you know every time he goes out there in the movie like the crowd loves him you know and even in that one scene i pointed out i I like this when he had your mic's muted i know um i was just adjusting okay um when uh when he retires because he has a heart attack and he's told he can no longer wrestle anymore um you know but he starts to work at the deli sadly work at the deli you know but he's like kind of crowd working the customers at the deli and he's like you know kind of killing it and you know he's just like like, hey good looking how you doing what do you want all right i got some ham what do you want (laughs) exactly and like so it's like physically you know you can age out of something, but there's some skills that remain, you know, the charm. Sure. Yeah. The, some magic can still be there. Even if your body, (laughs) you got to drag your dying corpse along with it. Right. But in a way, you know, it also talks about like this movie really emphasizes like the negative side of that as well, Mm -hmm. of being a performer, being a performer for, you know, a bunch of, you know, a lot of people, you know, on the microcosm, you know, of, uh, Pam as the stripper and as uh, Mickey Rourke as the wrestler, you know, uh, and I don't know, man, I just, I, I love, this is, it's, it's a very good movie. It, this movie makes you feel old, <laughs> no matter what age you are, it makes, makes you, you feel, feel washed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a, uh, the feeling I get in this movie yeah. is, you know, cause like there's only three actors and his daughter isn't even in it all that much. It really, he, he Mickey Rourke is a focal point followed by Pam Marissa Tomei's character and the movie. And because of that, the movie feels very lonely, you know, despite the fact that they're both performing in venues with like large crowds, right. you know, like the movie itself, like the feeling you're left with is like very low, a lot of loneliness and, like well, you know the thing the, the thing that he says this? at the end where he says he's like I get hurt out in the real world he's like out there you know that's where I get the real love and mm-hmm. in a way from doing what he's done as a profession he has kind of wired his you know his brain has been kind of wired to where like you know that's the only thing that matters to him mm-hmm. to to a fault because you know it you know at a certain point uh, you know, it, it affects his whole relationship with his daughter. And, you know, he, uh, in this movie, he tries to, yeah, he's very estranged from his daughter. Right. And, you know, well, it's he, not really he... clear exactly like what particular thing happened until like he's at the, at the ocean and the beach. And he's like, look, I understand I was supposed to be there to take care of you and provide for you, but it didn't go down like that. I messed up and, and I got too far deep into my career and I, and I, you know, took off because of that. I wasn't around because of that, you know? Right. So. And, um, you know, uh, I like, like I was saying about the kayfabe, 
uh, in the movie, it's uh, it's discovered like how she doesn't want to break her particular kayfabe, right? Like she's the stripper, kayfabe? the stripper kayfabe, yeah. right? Because you know, in a way when he sees her in the club, it's like this idealized version of her. Like she even breaks down at a certain point and she goes, you know, I'm a mom. I have a kid, you know, I have bills. It's the performer version of herself, the right. stripper. And, you know, she constantly reiterates to that when he tries to come on to her, when she's like, Oh, you're just a customer. You're a customer. Right. You know, to her, to her, like he's the crowd, you know, right. Which, Obviously, he should be able to understand being that he's also a performer himself. And, you know, he works the crowd in the same way she works the customers, you know, through right. the performance. Right. And, um, you know, I just uh, I really I I think that it's shot like really well. Like it feels like the atmosphere is just so bleak. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that the setting, but there's that's because it's, it's gray skies the entire time. The setting is very gray. Is they New live Jersey at like kind bleak? of like a rundown. Well, Mickey Rourke stays at like a rundown trailer park. He lives in like, he lives in like a rundown he's, van. He's, he's like a relic almost. Yeah. But you know. you know where there's the most lights and the most pomp and circumstances when he's performing in the ring or when Pam is performing in the nightclub. Right. You know, outside of those two environments, it's bleak, it's gray, it's isolating, it's lonely. But inside at on stage, it's all lights and high energy and love from the crowd and you know, everything I guess that they want that they're looking for. Right. You know? And, you know, just the feeling of loneliness really, really washes over you in this movie. It's like, you know, the the highs are, you know, him on stage, you know, uh, and it, there's almost like a beauty in like the the um, the way that these matches are like coordinated. Right. And like it also like it gives you like the the inside where you know like they're talking to each other during the match like you know like what happens to real wrestling you know mm. and uh it's it's almost like this uh like brutal ballet <laughs> i yeah. don't know how else to describe it it's like yeah i remember when someone was was it i don't know who was coming to watch wrestlemania with us and uh and i don't think that maybe it was patrick or somebody they're like, I've never seen wrestling. And, and I, like, described it to him. And I was like, I'm like, think theater, but, like, acrobatic theater. Like, right. Like, you take acrobats, f- acrobatics, uh, fighting, and mix it with theater. And, right. you know, kind of a lot of pomp and circumstance, too, <laughs> in wrestling. And, yeah, it's kind of like this weird mixture of, like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know, um, what, what do you like about this movie, Zach? What do I like about it? Yeah, like what what are some um, what are some things you like? Well, um, it's a depressing movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and I do like depressing movies. Um, I don't know. Would you say this is a movie about grief? I was I kept thinking that. Well, I, I was think I it. think this movie is about like acceptance. Like, in a way, I think it's, like, about how, like, like coming to terms with who you are, mm-hmm. in a way. You know, uh, you it's like you, you never see him have any highs other than, <coughs> other than, you know, when he's, um, 
when he's on stage or when he's, you know, performing, but it's almost like that's even what little pittance he gets, whatever little money he gets. It's like, it's enough for him. Right. It fills the hole inside. I guess I think that, um, the movie does a good job of like giving a little and then taking a a lot away after that. So, you know, in the beginning, like, you know, he's still out there wrestling and, um, and, you know, so that's exciting, but then it like goes back to it from that and he's locked out of his trailer. He can't afford his rent, you know? And so like kind of starts where he's like, oh yeah, he's in the ring. That's cool. That's awesome. And then it kind of goes it goes up to a, it gives you a little bit of a high and then it goes down to a deep low yeah. and then a, and then and then it kind of and you know he's alone he's locked out of his trailer his daughter's not talking to him but then there's another little moment outside the ring too where he kind of comes up when he kind of reconciles with his daughter when he takes right. her to the beach and he, and you know so that was a big moment where you know he kind of asked her for her forgiveness and she kind of offers it to him and then he arranges to have dinner with her and you're like yeah cool and then there's a steep low because then he goes out the night he was supposed to go meet up with her for dinner gets wasted pat you know goes home with some lady wakes up the next morning and he had missed the dinner with his daughter and then that's a big low when he goes to talk to her about it and she basically tells him never talk to me again yeah and that's like another steep low or you know the high of you know having the big he had that big bombastic performance with that guy with all the weapons is like a crazy performance yeah, it was like and an then, extreme rules and match. so that's the high and then it comes down because then after that he has a heart attack right you know so i like how the movie gives you like a little bit of excitement and a little bit of like 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 just lets the light in just a little bit before like slamming the door back to like the bleak emptiness loneliness and th- those lows are way deeper than the highs ever get and right. it's like i think that you know, it, it's kind of like chasing what you once had, I think, because he's basically he's chasing that the glory days of, of the 80s, you know, and the yeah. 80s takes a big centerpiece in this right. movie. You know, he's all about 80s music. He looks right. like, it's like so 80s, he looks like an 80s glam rocker of some kind. And, you know, so he's just Eight. constantly chasing that high, you right. know, and he maybe he can get a little taste of it, you know, when he steps back in the ring, but then he comes out and, you know, he's falling apart you know his body's hurting he's close to having a heart attack he's got to take all these drugs steroids to fucking keep up you know so it it really is like you know i I think it's it kind of just shines a light on like that being past your prime especially as a performer where you like once had your glory days and now you're washed up and you're just kind of chasing that. Yeah. Like the scene where they're at like the VFW and they're doing like the fan signing and he sees like some of his old buddies and then he takes, there's one moment where he like takes a look around and he just sees like, yeah, it's a bunch of old men. Yeah. Like, you know, one dude's in a wheelchair. Another dude's got like, like you said, a catheter, Yeah, you know, it's like, and he's like, he's like, that's not, he's like, I'm not going to just, he makes like, I think at that moment he makes the decision that he doesn't want to be like that. Mm. I think that's when, I mean like the, you know, him missing out on his daughter. Yeah. That was a big, you know, big thing. But like, uh, like think about it. Like right after that, he went to go watch the wrestling match. And then he was like, you know, he just couldn't get away. Even as much as he tried to live a normal life, 
the normal life. Well, the wrestling's all he has because right. in his in his real life he's faced with like heartbreak after heartbreak, whether it's heartbreak uh with his daughter or heartbreak with Pam because, you know, as he pursues her, you know, there's that moment that's you know, he takes her out and he gets a little high where, you know, he has a moment where he kisses her and then she pull, she backs off and she's like, I got a kid. I got to take care of my kid. You know, you see me as this stripper, but that's not who I am. I'm a mom and that's my main focus. And then and then when he goes to go see her in, 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 in the yeah, bar was, in, at the nightclub yeah, the next w- day and she like basically shuts him down entirely. And he, she's like, yeah, You're just he says the thing, he, the, the thing, the exchange between them both when he's like. Yeah, here's some money. Shake your ass. Shake. Mm-hmm. It. He's like, he's like, pretend that you like me. Come on. Mm. <laughs> you know so it's mean? like a slight high, and then you're hit with another low, low. Right. And uh, you know, so like in in his real real life, it's just heartbreak after heartbreak. Where he gets the love from is when he's on stage from the crowd, and that's what he says there at the end of the movie when he goes out and talks to the crowd, and he's like. He's like, I'll stop when you decide it's time for me to stop. Like, that's where he gets his love from. You know, that's the only place he has it from. Everywhere else, he's alone and kind of broken. Right. Everywhere else. But let me, I want to ask you this. I asked you before we sat down. You know, at the final performance, Pam leaves her job, leaves work, breaks kayfabe, and leaves her job, breaking kayfabe on, on stage, essentially. To go see him and essentially tells him like, don't go out there like I like and he's like, nobody cares about me. And she's like, well, I'm here. And he's like, that's, you know, but at this point, he's already decided he's like that's where that's who cares about me, the right. crowd, you know, and he goes out there and she stays to watch his final performance. But then when he looks back at towards that last moment before he does his his finishing move, the Ram Jam. <laughs> his literal finishing move. Yeah, it's where he like, gets it, up at the impl- top turnbuckle and he like hits each elbow. It's implied that he dies right after that. You think? Yeah. Is yeah. that the implication? It I just goes so. dark. Yeah, it goes dark and the credits don't come up for like 30 seconds. Right. Is that what you think the implication yeah, is? It, I don't it, know. It, it, it reminds me a lot of like the, um, in the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the Sopranos. Uh, the famous dark screen. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's like alluded to, right? Tony Soprano's asked by his brother-in-law. He's like, "What do you think happens when you die?" He's like, "He's like, I just think it just it just cuts the, cut the black." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And in a way, that's what it is because you know he he's like struggling at that last match, and you know he's obviously strained, and you know. In the end, he realizes he's like, "This is the only thing that matters to me, so I might as well mm-hmm. just go out like this." Go out doing that. Yeah, I think it's left a little ambiguous. Sure. I don't think my reaction isn't. I mean, like that's what I was thinking. I was like, "So did he? Uh, did he have that heart attack that was coming on?" Because uh, towards you know the whole match, he's kind of straining and he's like holding his chest, and the guy he's wrestling with is like, "All right, Ram, just bring it home." And then, yeah, and then he jumps off, and then it's a cut to black. I think, I, I was wondering, and my feeling is that, I don't know, I don't I don't know if I think that he died. I think, like I said, it's I guess it's left to uh, the viewer's interpretation, but mm-hmm. I like to think it was... It didn't really matter whether whether he lived or died. Right. I don't know if that's if that's 
you know what what i was gonna ask is when he was yeah, on the top turnbuckle and he looks yeah. over to see if she pam was still watching and she was gone why do you think she left um hmm. Uh, the only thing I could really think of is that maybe it reflects a little bit of her own situation in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, she sees someone who can't give up the, uh, the fantasy of being desirable and being, you know, someone, you know, like, like I said, like a desirable person, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know. I, I think she leaves because maybe she realizes what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think it goes along with the, uh, the, the, uh, the heartbreak in this film, because like, you know, in a weird way, like he was kind of hoping that she would still be there, I guess. I mean, of course, but, um, like he was kind of like, I guess kind of looking out for her in, in you remember in the earlier scene when he goes in there and there's like some dudes like mocking her calling her mm-hmm. old and stuff. And he kind of goes in there and like, you know, makes them leave. And she's mad at first, you know, cause she was in the middle of like performing essentially. And then he was like, Oh, you know, like fuck him, whatever, you know, his damsel in distress, you know, he gets to have his, you know, one white night. night moment. And, um, and to me, I felt like that moment was her trying to look out for him and his line of work. Her returning and saying like, "Hey, you don't, you don't need to do this. You don't need to. You shouldn't go out there. Your heart is not in good condition to handle that, you know." And maybe she felt like he was, she cared about him too much to stay there and wait and see yeah. if that he was gonna have the heart attack while performing or not. And she didn't want to wait and see, like, yeah. You know. And so. You know, he at the end there, like where she had kind of rejected him earlier, I felt like, you know, he had come to terms with that quickly. And he was like, okay, like I don't get love from the people in my direct personal life. I get the love from being on stage. The performance is where I thrive. And like, like I can't, you know, abandon that because people in. You All know. they do is let you down. Well, you know, like he's just not used to it. You know, it's right. like his daughter said earlier, you left me, you know, when you were supposed to, you know, when I wanted you there, you left me to go perform. And that's essentially what he did to Pam there, too. Like he left her to go continue his performance. And in the same way, his daughter was like, all right, like I can't stop him. This is who he is. This is what he does. Like, I felt like that's kind of the Pam's reaction, too. She was like, all right, like, go out there and put your life in danger, but I'm not going to be a part of it, you know, and, like, left. Right. And for because of that. Well, in a way, it's like, you know, you can look at the end of the movie like it's like a metaphorical death, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, um, you know, in a way, any hopes of, like, a normal life gets killed in that moment, mm-hmm. you know, because he realizes that, this is the only thing that matters to him. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about wrestling? Yeah, let's talk about wrestling. How, so, cause like, there's not a lot of movies about wrestling. So, you know, in watching this, there's a lot of sad stories that yeah. come out of the wrestling. You know, when, when we were kids and we watched this, you don't know about all the stuff that goes on backstage, but like, shout, shout out to uh dark side of the ring. Oh yeah. They've Great put show. out a lot of documentaries about, you know, a lot of the heartbreak in uh, wrestling and a lot of, you know, the the pain. And you think you think to yourself, you're like, you know, for someone who doesn't give a shit about wrestling, you're like, why should I care? What do you say to that person? 
Well, well, there's pe a lot of people have a lot of wrestlers have died young, you know, and True. you know he's not that old, Randy the Ram. He's like maybe in his late fifties, and you know a lot of a lot of wrestlers wrestled like think about how rick flair was like he was like a, a sack of skin dragging <laughs> yeah. his dragging his those, carcass like, saggy, he had that out into the ring and he tits. was like in his 60s yeah. and like a lot of wrestlers like i was mentioned sting earlier who's never in the wwe but one of my favorites he's in his late 50s he's still wrestling right so a lot of them keep it up for a long time but a lot of them also die young and by young i mean like 40s 50s and they take because, yeah. you know, the most famous death of a wrestler that everybody heard, Chris Benoit, because he was a double murder Sue. Yeah, and, and let's so, uh, let's let's talk about that because you know, double murder. Well, Sue. you know, it's implied here in this movie too. I mean, it's not implied; it's shown outright. Wrestlers take a lot of drugs, steroids, right. because the bo their body is integral to their performance, and and because they're it's a very demanding. Uh, competent like performance on your body they have they get prescribed a lot of painkillers too so they're taking a lot of drugs steroids and painkillers all like messing with their body and there's no off season for wrestling i've heard that before like there's right. they and there's not even there's performances nearly every night not just the televised nights they do house shows dark shows that are aren't televised right as because it's like a touring performance right they're you know? like non-stop so it's, like it's like a circus so they're 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 touring constantly year round and they put a lot of strain on their body and a lot of wrestlers die before like they have a very low life expectancy compared to the american average oh like i was saying earlier when i was reading about what other wrestlers saw this movie a wrestler that really liked it was rowdy roddy piper and uh he ooh, died ooh. he died in his mid-50s yeah a lot of eddie guerrero one of the most greatest wrestlers of all time dead in his in his 30s yeah. i think mid-30s late 30s you know and so yeah, it's a know, common thing that, like, you know, I, I don't know if this movie wasn't criticizing wrestling, the no, wrestling no, no, industry no. or the wrestling business, but there is some weird darkness behind in the backstages of it. Like, well, it's like wrestlers are not healthy, I guess, <laughs> yeah. to say it simply. Well, no, it's, it's like what they're chasing almost, mm. you know, they're chasing like the love and adoration of fans, but in that pursuit, you... You know, especially in a sport like wrestling, you have your body can only handle so much. You know, it's funny, uh, like she, in the beginning, she like makes a reference to the passion of the Christ. Yeah. You know. Oh, and, yeah. She says you. she doesn't say you are, but she's like, yeah, the, essentially the sacrificial lamb. You know, you right. are the sacrificial lamb for the for the group for the sake of the show. Right. Know? Right. And, you know, um. Yeah, there's like there's so many like sad stories in wrestling, you know. Um a lot of uh you know pe people like Randy you said, Savage. Randy Savage? Or um I'm thinking of I think I'm thinking of Ultimate Warrior. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rule Randy Savage story is a bit of a a sad one, you Well, know? all those were well, the ones we were looking well, when we watched the Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, a lot of them are pretty sad stories most of the time. Yeah, you know, like, I think, like... Who was that guy? We watched the one New Jack, and just a oh, few yeah. months later, he died just a couple months ago right. about New Jack. Right, and, um, you know, Brett the Hitman Hart, I think he's, like, a, an ex-addict. 
you know. Read the Hitman Heart. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, 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 you know, a lot of, you know, it's crazy how they do these feats that, you know, like when you're young, when you're a young boy, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are girl, young girl wrestling fans, but you know, I can only speak from my perspective, but like being a young kid and when you'd watch wrestling, like you'd be like, Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. You know what I mean? This is like. Um, it's like, it almost feels like the ultimate form of entertainment when you're younger, you yeah. know, it's like, Oh, it was so much fun to watch. It's like live and they're like real it's live all spectacle. And, and the story, like it's, it has like, like other sports are fun too. Cause it has the competition that other sports have, but it also like has so much story and so much character to it. Right. Like the characters are range from outlandish to just like plain awesome a lot it's very rock and roll in a lot of ways you know that's what i always liked about wrestling when i was younger it had like this weird kind of rock and roll edge to it you know yeah and you know um i don't know it's uh i mean uh uh, who's the guy he was i forget his name but he was the guy that fell off the top of the stadium you know what I'm talking about? The top of like the Hell in the Cell cage or something? No, he fell like from the rafters. I think From the was... rafters? What was he doing in the rafters? Uh, it was Owen Hart. Owen Hart? Oh, Brad Hart's brother? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, you know, there's, uh, th- like we said, there's plenty There's plenty of examples. Um, Chris Benoit? Chris, yeah, Chris Benoit. Well, Maga. Maga <laughs> yeah, died well, in his 30s. Yeah, that's true. The Chris Benoit one, I remember, I like that one was that was a big, you know, moment as a kid. I remember yeah. that, like that, especially like I was excited that because they had set up a big episode for that week's right. Monday Night Raw, right? Because so, Vince McMahon had gotten blown up in a limousine, yeah, by Degeneration. Yeah, <laughs> and then and I remember turning it on, being like, "Holy shit, what the fuck's gonna happen?" And then it was like it starts as a memorial, and Vince McMahon's right there, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" You know, I was like 12 yeah. at the time. I was well, like, what the fuck it was, is going on? It was so convincing to some people. I mean, as a kid, I, you know, I was like, no way they just blew up Vince McMahon, you know, I don't know. But didn't you tell me once that like uh, Donald Trump? Oh, yeah, I heard this story because (laughs) Donald Trump's buddies with Vince McMahon. And after that episode of of Monday Night Raw had aired where he got blown up in his limousine, apparently Donald Trump called WWE corporate and asked if Vince McMahon was all right because <laughs> he heard some very disturbing news that Vince McMahon might have been harmed in an accident. Vince McMahon, and why would like, you get into a limo? Like why would you get into that old I mean, limo from the 70s? It's a little exaggerated. I don't think he was completely out of the loop that rest of that that but he they had to like explain to him like no it's, it's part of the show. It's part of the performance oh, and he's like okay, okay. I understand. Oh, I understand shows, <laughs> trust me. Um but you know like right after it happened yeah it was like it was a memorial and you know like you feel the sadness you know they're playing like old Chris Benoit clips and then once uh the, f- the, the details of his death hadn't come to light fully. right they didn't come to light until like uh like a couple like a week or two later yeah and and then, and then they erased him from everything they right. erased him off all pay-per-views of the past that he had been in they wouldn't allow him to be in any future video games yeah all kinds of stuff i mean like it makes sense. essentially yeah i mean like they don't want that black mark i guess on their on their history but but he's almost like the penultimate, like, 
version of the wrestler, you know, bringing yeah. it back to the movie. You know, he's, you know, it, they weirdly enough, they also have like a very similar finishing move, the flying headbutt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, you know, uh, that one of the things that they, especially in the Dark Side of the Ring, Chris Benoit documentary, I highly recommend it. It's very good. Um, they talk about how, you know, from him doing that move, it caused like a lot of brain damage, yeah. you know, obviously. And, you know, uh, um, well, it's just like, it's a, it's a performance that's very tough on your body. It takes a lot out of yeah, you it's taxing. as evidenced by Randy, the Ram in the movie. Like it's, yeah, it's a very taxing profession to be in. Right. And, um, you know, uh, in a way, in a way, you know, all, especially it was also suspected that he was on steroids. Most, a lot of wrestlers. Yeah, there are, a lot of a majority of them, I think, are on steroids and and you know, taking painkillers. Right, and a lot of people to continue performing. A lot of people think that you know that's part of the reason that led him to have like kind of a, a well. After he died, they said he had the brain when they like did his autopsy they said he had a brain of like an 80 year old alzheimer's patient right like he was out of it right and you know uh it, and the thing was is that like i like i remember a decent amount of matches like i remember wrestlemania 22 when he wrestled jbl um he was a, a fun guy to watch you know a lot of people liked Chris yeah. Benoit. Like he was like he was a, a wrestler's wrestler. He really was. Like a lot of people liked him. And you know, one of the things I always thought was cool about him is that he was like a, a not like a super tall guy, mm. but he was like a badger. You know what I mean? He was just like a like a ferocious badger. I don't know yeah. how else to explain it. And um, you know, and then once you know, once you once I I remember hearing about you know, what actually happened um, at that age, I remember that was, like, towards the end of when I was, like, really into wrestling. Yeah. And then, like, I kind of fell off. Um, you know, and uh, it's because the kayfabe was broken. The kayfabe, yeah. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the, you know... I, yeah, the I, kayfabe's in, essential, especially to wrestling. Like, you know, it's essential to all performances, like, maintaining that kayfabe the facade the the mask keeping the costume on essentially right like you not know like letting the audience know what the reality is backstage well you know uh talking about like one of my favorite artists mf doom you know his whole thing was like kayfabe you know his whole life really you know he was like such like a mysterious dude but like that was part of the cool thing about him is that you know, he didn't really do interviews, you know, he felt like there felt like there was a mystique around him. There's the whole, you know, um, there's the whole thing with like, uh, doom bots. Have you ever heard about this? No. Uh, when, uh, there would be like a lot of, you know, doom MF doom shows that would pop up all around, but it was heavily suspected that doom would like pay like imposters to like basically just like rap over his tracks. Hmm. And, you know, uh, a lot of people will like, they would be like so pissed, but you know, MF doom's character was, he was the mad villain. Right. Yeah. And I think that like, he was doing like a high performance art, you know, mm. in a way, you know, and it, it's really cool. It, it's cool when someone does that because, you know, there's not a lot of mystery in this world. There's not a lot of, 
you know, and when, you know, someone's able to convince you of like something fantastic, you want to hold on to that and you love it. And I think that's why a lot of people love wrestling is they love the, they love the fantastic, the fantastical elements of it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that's what I always liked about it as a kid. It felt very grand. Yeah. And it's like all the characters were always really compelling to me. And if just the drama of it was, you know, very captivating For sure, in, in yeah. a way that's like, you know, a lot of people who never watch wrestling might not understand that, you, you know, when you're a kid, you tell your dad or somebody you like to wrestling, like, oh, don't yeah. you know it's fake? And it's like, yeah, we know they're not like actually, you know, trying to murder each yeah. other in there. But like, it, there's just something more about it than just like the fighting aspect of it. It's right. like the performance as a whole, like all its little moving parts kind of come together to form something that's greater than the sum of its parts. Right. And, you know, like, and, you know, I can hear someone be like, oh, all the matches, like, feel the same. But, like, you're like, no, there's like a, there's like an ebb and a flow to it, you Mm -hmm. know. The, you know, there's the the face and the heel and there's, like, a constant, you know, back back and and forth. forth. And I think this movie does a good job of capturing that when it shows the matches happening, you know, like, and how the heel builds themselves up, the heel being the villain, how they, he builds himself up, like, the one match he had that was, like, the ECW match with all the weapons, like, how that guy was, like, staple gunning himself, and the crowd starts chanting, I I like the part where they're sitting in the chairs and they're just slapping each other. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and then, like, anytime Randy, the Ram, does something to retaliate to the heel attacking him because he's a face, like, right. you know, the, there's a big cheer, a big applause from the audience. Or the final match is really, like, how they used to, wrestling used to be in the 80s. Like, I was saying how, you know, right. a lot of times, because he, he fights against the, against the Ayatollah. Ayatollah, the guy comes out waving the and Iranian just, like, some black flag. Dude. He wasn't even yeah, he wasn't even some black guy playing the Ayatollah, raving an, an Iranian flag around, and everyone's like, boo. And then Randy the Ram gets to come out and be, like, the American hero. And I remember I was telling you about how, in that vid max landis video that's like how wrestling was in the 80s it was like kind of generic and kind of very simple in that regard right. that it was like yeah i'm the american guy and i'm the hero and then the other guy's like i'm the foreigner and i'm the bad guy really kind of stupid yeah it's but really like dumb, you know yeah. as the, the the attitude era is what changed that and then we watched wrestling in the post attitude era right. where like characters had more depth more depth and more defined personas and yeah. like not so generic and there was a lot I mean, more there was silliness too. yeah of there... course but the silliness is what kind of made it great you remember the boogeyman oh yeah the boogeyman dude character? i love that guy dude you'd <laughs> come out and he worms. would yeah he would he come out clock. with a handful of worms and a clock yeah and he would just and face it was paint covered in face paint yeah. and like weird dangly yeah things. i remember the first time i saw him on smackdown because i think he was a smackdown wrestler I remember seeing him come out, and I'm like, dude, what is yeah, this? Yeah, it, it was spooky. It was, dude, it was. <laughs> like, you know, um, and you can kind of see, like, someone, you know, a modern-day version of that would be, like, kind of like Bray Wyatt, like, yeah. like what he yeah, kind of yeah, does yeah. with The Fiend. You know, like, it allowed, you know, post the Attitude Era, it allowed, you know, some people to kind of be, like, kind of these, like, mystique wrestlers. Yeah, where they're The like, Undertaker. Right, The Probably Undertaker. the most famous one. Yeah, you know, and it almost to where, like, they get to portray that like they almost have like superpowers, yeah. you know, and it's like, especially when you're a young kid, that's something, that's something fun to watch. And it, you know, it, and you know, you're, uh, it really like, you know, especially if you're like, I don't know, it's just, 
it's just fucking awesome. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just <laughs> when you're a kid, that shit just it just hits different, dude. It just <laughs> you know. It's you know something funny is there's a lot of like uh, underground wrestling promotions and whatnot, right, right. and a lot of times they are in tandem with like punk rock shows mm. like i've seen it a couple of times around san jose matt matt backyard wrestling and hardcore buddy matt used to go to a lot of those underground like really amateurish uh wrestling shows and like they're like there's usually like a punk rock show afterwards like wow. it's just kind of like you know the backyard wrestling style the kind of like amateurish like diy right. nature of it and just kind of like the yeah like destroy I, the entire yeah, venue like, vibe know, of it is just fucking kind of pretty awesome for both the performers and the spectators the you scene know? where they're like uh where he's like buying a bunch of stuff for the the hardcore match yeah you know they're going around this like this store and then they're like <laughs> they're like you know hitting each other with shit yeah seeing how much it could hurt yeah whatever. yeah you know and it's um i don't know it, it it's yeah it's diy but it's also it's just fun you yeah. know and i love how this movie this movie like it it doesn't portray it negatively it doesn't portray it positively it just it just feels like an accurate depiction of what you would expect or, you know, yeah. like if, especially if you're a fan, you know, it, it just, it feels very, you know, it feels real, you know, yeah. this, this, you know, the way it's portrayed in this movie, it's very believable. Yeah, it is very believable. It's an interesting take on, on, you know, stage performance in particular, you know, Right. Like I and I think it would be harder to do this type of movie and put the same emphasis on on the loneliness and washed up vibe of of Mickey Rourke's character if it was like a different type of performance like if he was like a faded rock star you know I feel like yeah. it would just hit a little different yeah you know or if he was like a faded actor right which he I you mentioned that um, Roger Ebert said that that like Mickey work was kind of like a washed up actor. And that like, he drew from that in this performance, right. but like somehow it taking place as a wrestler and a stripper, like two things that, you know, aren't necessarily mainstream, even though, I mean, the WWE is well known, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a mainstream draw as much as like music or yeah, like yeah. television or film. It's not are. something that everyone would yeah, like in yeah. terms of performances, like somehow using wrestling to, and to tell this story yeah. and, and, and stripping to tell the story of like being past your prime, being over the hill, being washed up, but still chasing that glory, still loving what the crowd gives you. Like it just works better than I think it would with if you used a different type of performance to tell yeah, the story. Yeah, I don't think it honestly could work with any other kind of performance, you know, telling this story. You know, it's um you know, like he like, you know, and even like after when he has the heart attack, he tries to live the normal life. And like, you know, he works at like some grocery store, you know, he it, like life isn't glare. And the thing that like pushes him. You over remember the- when he first walks out to the deli, there's like the, there's like the cheers of the audience cheering. For yeah. Him. Yes. Like I, I, I thought I, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. I didn't know if you noticed that, but like, <laughs> like right before he goes out, like he hear, like he almost like hears like the, the, yeah, the cheering of the audience. But like I said, when he channels into that charm that he had that one, emo- that won him o- the crowd over for him performing as a wrestler he was like kind of channeling that when he was serving up 
deli meat. <laughs> yeah, but you know, then when you know he got like a bad customer, and then after there's his the, daughter had yeah. basically told him not to contact him anymore, right. too, and having a bad day as we all do at work day. sometimes. And then you know, some dude recognized him, and then he was just like, "Yeah, you you really look like Randy the Ram." But a lot older. And then, you know, he, like, slices his thumb in the... Intentionally. Meat, <clears throat> in the meat slicer. And he's just like, fuck it. I don't care. I would rather die in the ring than live this life. Because this life isn't worth living. Mm. <laughs> As just, like, you know, a dude who just works at the store. You, you know, know, I feel bad for him because, like, the whole movie I kept thinking, I'm like... Shouldn't he have like a pension or a retirement plan yeah, or something yeah, so that I he think, doesn't have to? I think that's also a true, true of a lot of wrestlers. Is that a lot yeah, of wrestlers? They're not taken care of post career and right. have to keep performing into their you know sixties. Yeah, you know, so no, totally. They so, should have like a retirement plan, and you know, a lot of athletes I think have that. They too, need to unionize. Where, where like after <laughs> after an athlete is through his prime and retires, like a lot of times they burn through their money, or right. you know, they kind of like if it's not like an all star athlete that can get promotions until the day they die or sponsorships until the day they, you know, it, a lot of times athletes are kind of left directionless after leaving their respective sport they're left kind of blowing in the wind especially if you know they went through a lot of their earnings quickly right but you know even if you did this movie with just like an athlete from any other sport mm -hmm. i still don't think it would it would hit as hard as the wrestler because wrestling in a way is very like exploitation Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and in a way that's the same thing with stripping you know and uh, I just, I, I think. Yeah, it does feel like they're both in very exploitative types of professions. Right. And you could say that about certain sports for sure, but, um, you know, there's something different about wrestling and, you know, and the movie stripping is that, you know, that, yeah, it's not like um, as respected yeah. as other uh, forms of performance art. So, in a way, um yeah you know but like you see her dance and like she's dancing awesome and you know like you see him performing he's performing awesome but yeah they're great at their craft they're great (laughs) at their craft but you know it's not something that's you know taken i i agree with you it's not yeah it's like those two types of performance are get a lot less respect than being an athlete being a musician being an actor right you know yeah no totally totally um well uh you want to give your final thoughts zach sure um, um, when you were talking about Mickey Rourke's performance at the beginning, a word came to mind that I love to use if I get the chance to use it. I would say Mickey Rourke gave a haunting performance mm, yes. of a shell I of himself and is a very haunting performance. And Oscar so, nominated. Oh, yeah. Same for Marissa Tomei as well. And, uh, like I said earlier, I... The, the loneliness of the movie is very powerful. How, you know, after we finished watching and I, like, stopped to be like, who are the characters in this movie? I'm like, there's, like, two. And then I remembered his daughter. And his daughter, I think, is somewhat... It's not forgettable. It's just, like, you don't immediately think of her. And I think that's, like, almost done intentionally. Where right, she's because even gets he's just said- enough a screen time so that you know she's important. You know that she matters a lot. But just not enough so that she's you don't she doesn't immediately come to mind which is how i think she you know that's done on purpose that's how he he took care of his daughter throughout like that's how he viewed his daughter like the wrestling is first and foremost in his mind 
his daughter's secondary. And when you leave the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, his daughter, that's important, too. And, you know, one of the things he says when he, like, tries to reconcile with her is that he says that he's like, I tried to pretend that you weren't, you, that you didn't exist. Yeah. You exactly. Know. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. So that that aspect of the loneliness, like the movie is very much the focal point is Mickey Rourke. And he does feel like on his own. Most of the movie There's no one looking out for him and very downtrodden. And that's very powerful. Um, I like the moment a lot. Um, and I like I said earlier, I like all the ups and downs. I like the moment a lot when he goes out with his daughter and they reconcile. I thought that was a very powerful yeah. scene where he opened up oh, to I her. Up. Yeah, and it's an emotional one. And, you know, he's kind of like, yeah, I know I fucked up. I know I wasn't there and I was a shitty dad. And, I'd, and I'm okay with being alone because that's how I've lived my whole life now. I just, you know, I don't want you to hate me and I want have somewhat of a relationship with you you know as he's realized you know his his heart attack gave him that sense of mortality i guess that makes you want to go out and make amends with your estranged family members you know and she does forgive him you know and then he and then he fucks it up again he lets it you know he you know and and it would have been i i think that it would have been weird if he, you know if if he didn't almost like it's almost like yeah of course like that's just kind of the person he is and he's so old that it's kind of like a, a situation, I guess, of you can't teach an old dog any new tricks. You know, he goes back, you know, even though he makes an effort to to rekindle his relationship with her, it's still, you know, he still fucks it up somehow. He still drops the ball, essentially. So I love the the up and the, like I said earlier, the slide up with the then the deep drop again. It's very... um it's done it well where it gives you just enough where like you can taste what he's chasing that high of performing well um but then it takes so much away that it almost feels like that didn't matter but like what else is there right. you know so i i like the you know the the chase the chase the loneliness and the grief it's all very powerful and it all just comes together that makes yeah it's a, it's it's a kind of depressing and miserable movie but it's done right and it's and in that regard it's it's a movie that i think um leaves you feeling like you know kind of i guess considering like what what we choose to value and how we choose to you know commit ourselves to our various relationships in our lives whether it's with family and other loved ones or with your job so you know i i I like that and overall i i would give this movie like um about about a seven seven and a half um solid movie um it's a little boring from time to time it can be a little slow paced and a little boring from time to time you know that's the as you know be my main complaint about it but other than that good movie emotional but well done. I uh, agree. Seven and a half. Okay. So, um, like I said before, I'm a huge fan of Darren Aronofsky. He is so able to capture just absolute misery on film. That's just perfect. He's able to capture like the inner struggle of being a person just like you know of he like he connects to like very human 
he just he does what he does very well. Um, the way the cinematography in this movie, I mean, it's nothing you wouldn't think, oh, it's nothing, you know, crazy or impressive, but the way they use sound in this movie is very well done. The way they, you know, like you said, when he was entering the deli and they played the crowd roaring, you know, it's the way they do that, um, is very well done, you know what I mean? And it's like, it helps give more depth to the story and Mm. you know um like when he's wrestling and you know it'll cut to like you know like kind of like a ringing noise like you know it's like supposed to like represent like you know his body not being able to catch up you know his body breaking down on him and you see him in pain you know I think this is a movie that becomes more relatable the older you get. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, you joked around in the beginning. I watched this movie after uh, one of my more recent breakups. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I remember you were, you were like, oh, you're so melodramatic. You watched it on your birthday. Yeah, I watched it. And on you're my... all like, man, I'm depressed uh, because, oh, man, I just feel like Mickey Rourke and The Wrestler. I'm just watching. Sorry, not my, break, and... not my break. Not my break. Sorry, my birthday. You're right, you're <laughs> right. I did watch it on my birthday. And you're like, I'm washed up. I'm like Mickey Rourke. I'm past my prime. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, he's supposed to be like nearly 60 in the movie. You've turned 26. Calm down. Yeah. But that, it's just, but, but, but the movie's powerful in that way. Yeah. And that it makes you kind of it t- makes you empathetic. Feel it. it yeah, makes you empathize with it. You know, as someone who's 26, I feel as old as Mickey Rourke feels. You know? I wouldn't watch this movie if you're feeling depressed and past your prime. No, I'd send no, you down no, a spiral. No, no, no. If you're not in a good mood. But mo- you know what? Like, yeah. I, I think sometimes the best time to engage with depressing I works agree. of art is when you are depressed because then you can sympathize more and, you know. It makes you feel more human, you know. Yeah. It makes you feel that, you know, you like movies that are able to elicit such strong emotion really resonate with me and they really... Um, I don't know. They really resonate. Um, Mickey Rourke. um, I've used this term before, but I'll use it again. Tour de force. Great. Like he, he's a perfect for this role. You know, he looks battered up. He looks like a broken down piece of meat. Like he says in the film. And you feel all of the, the high, like you said, the highs and the very low lows the juxtaposition of those are so drastic. It gives you the bends almost because, you know, you're going from, you know, he's putting on this great show to life being miserable and, you know, not like almost like you wish you could just skip to those great highs, you know? Um, I, I think it's well paced. I actually disagree. I, I don't think, this, this movie, I can understand you thinking it drags on, but I think this movie is paced very well. Um, it's, you know, it's n- it's not a long movie. It's it's, about, it's an hour 50. It's not that bad. Um, but I, I just, I, I really, I really connect with this film and this film really elicits a lot of emotion in me. Um, and it's a powerful one for sure. Yeah, it for sure is. And for that reason, I'm going to go point higher than you and I'm going to give it an eight and a half. I mm. think, um, you know, Darren Aronofsky's vision 
Mickey Rourke's acting. It's it's just so good. It's just so it like whatever Darren Aronofsky was trying to make you film with this movie, Mickey Wark delivered on that. Mm. And he was the perfect vehicle for it, it's like a, a match made in heaven, you know, with the story, the director, and an actor who could pull it off. And it just comes together like a beautiful, you know, it comes together like a beautiful piece of art, and I love it. And you do, you're like a movie about wrestling. How is that beautiful? And it is. It is in a way. It's sad. It's melancholy, but in a way, it makes you feel most more than most movies you watch. You know, because it's it elicits such a strong emotion. And I love a movie that can take like a seemingly like uninteresting topic or something that you're like a movie about you know like sideways like a movie about wine or a movie about wrestling come right. on like you know can take some random kind of seemingly dry topic and make like a great story behind it and use that simple topic to tell a great story i like i love when a movie can pull Th- this off. movie's like it's not long like an epic but it feels like an epic you feel like you're watching the last you know the last sputtering out of this guy's life and it's it's really powerful and it like i said it elicits very strong emotion um yeah i really like this movie i guess mickey rourke or randy the ram jam chose to burn out rather than fade away hell yeah brother (laughs) who hell yeah brother yeah um all right well uh We'll catch you next time. We're out of here. Thank you for Thanks listening. Thanks for listening. Check out the movie The Wrestler. Yeah, but it's a, I recommend it highly. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the needle tears a hole the old familiar sting try to kill it all away but I remember everything What have I become My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the air And you could have